I love you like a fat kid love cake You know my style, I say anything to make you smile Girl, it's easy to love me now Would you love me if I was down and out? Would you still have love if you love me in a bed? Could you love me on a bus? I'll ask 21 questions And they all about us Welcome back to Underemployed, y'all. David here. Jack here. Uh, we are recording for the second day in a row for interesting reasons. Not to get into the minutia of it, but... It's all Jack's fault. It is. You can, to quote Akon, you can put the blame on me. I record this on my computer. Basically, I didn't set the program to record on my through my microphone it wasn't sent through my laptop so it sounded like it was being recorded underwater david are you ready for this jelly um i don't think i can handle this <laughs> thank you if you go back and listen to episodes two and three and they sounded like hot garbage this was the same thing so david being a good soldier said let's re-record tomorrow this is our q a episode i got some new questions we got some old ones we might throw in but you know what the important thing is david we're creating content regardless Yes, indeed. Yeah. Content is content is content. Yes. And so we do, if you don't hear your question that you sent to me on this show, you will almost certainly hear it on, we'll throw together an episode later on material from that episode. So don't worry, you're going to hear your question on the air. But for this one, we, might, we got a few new ones. David, are you ready? I am indeed ready. All right. We'll start with Julie from Herndon. Should nacho fries forever remain on Taco Bell's menu? Yes. Th those fries... Are Taco Bell is so good at just throwing shit against the wall and it being great. Uh, I'm convinced that Taco Bell keeps a, you know, a, uh, a, a team of stoners on their payroll and they just give them access to a commercial kitchen when they're baked and just like, all right, go well, at it. Think outside the bun. We said that when the Doritos Locos Taco came out maybe five or six years ago when we were at your house and we just said the guy who invented that at the meeting or who pitched at the meeting probably got a slow clap standing ovation from the room of just, you motherfucking genius, our market it's, is stoned college students. <laughs> it's the single, like the, the, the Doritos Locos Taco is the single fastest selling food item in Taco Bell's history. And you know what? It, it worked. And by the way, I'm not the biggest... Mexican food guy, but the taco, the Doritos Locos taco and the nacho fries are both magnifique. So yes, to answer your question, Julie, it should forever remain on the menu. Katya from Charlottesville. How can we be more human in our workplace? As in, how can we relate to each other more so than just our designated roles? Um, by seizing the means. <laughs> and I would say just, uh, Try to get to know people, it's kind of an intimidating process, but if you just give yourself a chance to open up a little bit, you'll find most people like talking to you. Most people are good people, inherently. Uh, not and, everybody. And I, I will say, in my experience, I've had very few bad coworkers, but I've had a, I've had more bad managers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't let, don't let management keep you down. Don't let them sort of ruin the fun as it were for everybody else though. You know, it's work. How much fun can it actually be? And you sort of find yourself in those scenarios being, you kind of go, Hey, we're in this together with your coworkers. Even if you don't like management, you go, well, we're in this together. So that's sort of the bonding experience you can build from that too. So Mari from Michigan had asked us if you could bring back any three musicians from the dead to record a song together, who would they be and why? Now we'll throw to yesterday's clip and then we'll come right back are we counting rappers as musicians yes okay 
Biggie, Prince, and uh, God, that's a hard question. It is. Who else do I want back? Clarence Thomas. For the record, I'm pretty sure David meant Clarence Clemens, who was the longtime saxophonist of Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band, and not Clarence Thomas, a longtime justice of the Supreme Court. But neither of us picked up on it, so we'll let it slide. I'm like you. I'm more of a rap guy, so I would say... Although, I mean, I can go kind of urban feel. So I'd say Biggie for the rap. I'd go Nate Dogg for the hook. R.I.P. to the great Nate Dogg. And uh, for additional vocals, I'll go with uh, Lou Bega. <laughs> He's not dead. Beg your pardon? <laughs> we'll, have the, we'll, we'll have our interns check on that. Uh, so, if our, Lou Bega, I apologize to your family if you're not dead. Ah, uh, Lou Bega, the man, the myth, the legend. Who is not dead, uh, I'm pretty sure. I, I said this yesterday, I will say it again. I apologize to the Bega family if he's not dead, but I can't assure that he's not. Anyway, uh, Colin from Richmond, what's the longest David has gone without Sriracha? Um, I mean, weeks? I have other hot sauce now. What's your favorite, what's your go-to hot sauce? Uh, right now, Crystal is, Crystal has been my go-to for a while. But I also, I have uh, Nando's Peri Peri sauce, which is also quite tasty. So I'd say probably those two. I'd say I'm more of a light condiment guy. I'll get some ketchup or some ranch, which I know, da well, David, I do agree with your theory on ranch, even though I like ranch more than you. And your theory on ranch is? Ranch is a dip, not a dressing. Yeah, which is fair. And that you, you also said, which is true, people that get ranch usually just try to disguise whatever they're actually tasting in the ranch flavor. They're not trying to accentuate the food item, which makes sense. But I'm still Team Ranch. Uh, Jake from False Church wants to know if we have any manscaping techniques. I mean, Jake, you've you've probably never met me. So the, uh, my manscaping techniques are um, not to. <laughs> that being said, if you choose to, that is you. Yeah, I I'm not going to pass judgment. I like using a body trimmer. Uh, it, for example, certain people sort of like the chest hair, stomach hair grown out, so I'll do that. You know, every once in a while I'm doing it right now as I will show David on the video screen. But, you know, I will say other parts of the body, try to get it like every week or maybe every two weeks. You know, the arm hair, the shoulder hair, all that really fun stuff. Uh, but use a body trimmer because that's just going to be more convenient and quicker than trying to use an actual razor. Robert from New York, what are some terrible songs by some of your favorite artists? Oh, God. I mean, can I... Kanye's last two albums. Oof. <laughs> I would not have just been not good. Man, I besides was like besides like Black Skinhead. I was gonna say the Life of Pablo and Ye were better than Jesus. Hold my liquor on Jesus is a terrible song. Well, that's Keith. because he brought Chief Keef in, who's not a singer. Last time I checked. Yeah, no, but he is three hundred. No, yeah, he's screaming fuck twelve. I can't handle no liquor, but these bitches can't handle. And, you know, my favorite artist of all time is Eminem, who actually, as we're recording this, just released an album today, out of nowhere, which was pretty dope. But Eminem's got a bad, notorious history for, for releasing some really, even in his peak, some really bad songs. Drips. Drips with Obi Trice on my favorite album of all time, The Eminem Show. I had the clean version for a long time, which didn't have the track. And I remember telling you, David, years after it, I said, oh man, I, I kind of want to hear Drips. I haven't heard it. And your response to me was, 
Nah, just you're good. Don't. And then I heard it and I said, oh, David was right. That song was so bad. And Obi Trice was uh, so bad at it. Work that nigga like a slave owner. Oh, God. Um, Lupe Fiasco's Lasers. That whole album was just not good. We, I thought we, we dug it at the time. I've dug it less over. Oh, absolutely. I've gone back and listened to it. I'm like, ooh. Same. This, is, this, this did not age well. You know what track I really liked at first and then disliked from that album was Words I Never Said because he was talking some like 9-11 conspiracy theory bullshit and I some... That's what's what he, he's but he's been on that so that's not new. That's true. I, uh, going back for me, the only song from that album that has that has had any staying power or that has sort of held up uh, was State Run Radio. State Run Radio was a great song. I thought you were gonna say uh, the show goes on. I mean that's a good song too. Yeah. But anyway, we're getting we, we are no longer answering the question. At, we have moved on to the the worst something else entirely. The worst Eminem song of all time is not Drips though. It's from Encore when he was close to being peak drugged out Eminem. It's a song called Big Weenie. It is absolutely terrible. It is a terrible Dr. Dre beat. It is a terrible hook. It's a stupid, stupid verses. It is legitimately one of the worst songs ever made. Cannot recommend it less. I would also say um, Nas, who's one of my favorite rappers, released the worst rap album I've ever heard in Nostradamus. He has a song on there called You Owe Me, which was a kind of hot beat. It has a genuine hook. The hook is literally saying, if you, if I lend you my, if I let you hold my jewelry, you owe me a blowjob. That's Nas, who's supposed to be this conscious sort of god, and he is uh, speaking that on it. And Nas has some really bad songs. He has a song called Zone Out from Godson, which is just as bad. So even though you're a great rapper, no one is immune from making bad music. Nope. Who's your favorite rapper, Dave, that's released, like, a terrible song? Um, Iron... Lupe is up there. Uh, Kanye is up there. Um, he's had some not. Wale's got some really bad stuff too. Yeah, Wale's just Wale is his worst. Is just really boring, which disappoints me because we both really liked Wale and we're always championing him. And then he just can create some really boring music, man. Quinn Doyle, former guest on this show, hopefully future guest on this show. Your favorite college memory? Um, I will say. I have two answers for this. I have uh, the serious answer, and then I have my like, you know, I me, me being me. I have my my <laughs> shit David, David Hart answer. Yeah, you're David Hart. Um, yeah. So m- my serious answer is graduating. Um, not that I didn't enjoy college, but college was a process for me, and um, just graduating was a for me was a Herculean feat, and so I did it. Uh, I was surrounded by all the people that I love, and um, you know, people who love me, and so it was it was great to have that sort of support network there to see that you know all of these people who had helped me in one way or another through uh, along the way uh, cared. And then my bullshit answer is. F- uh, Hell week, fun week, whatever you want to call it. Freshman year, playing frisbee. Frisbee. And has someone who was there for the graduation ceremony, and this was in May of last year, that it two was, years ago. Yeah, May twenty seventeen. So I guess a year and a half ago. Um, it was really rewarding for me to see how much effort you had put into the community and how much they gave back to you that night. And your parents were there. It was just a really nice moment for you, and I, I was so happy for you. And that was also around the time I was graduating, so I sort of felt this 
I, I felt sort of proud of the work. Much like you, I, I took a while to graduate. It was really fun to see us sort of reap the benefit of the hard work. My non-serious answer uh, probably can't be said on the show. Uh, people who know me know the story of, of the non-serious story. If you don't, you're more than welcome to ask and I will answer, but I can't say it on the show. My more serious answer is... Jack's trying to get employed, y'all. Yeah, uh, that's that's very true. Underemployed right now is an unemployed state in my end. So yes, I'm trying. Fun to, employed. I am trying. Fun employed. I'm trying to teeter the line of what is good and what is not good to say. So I'm trying to just skirt around anything that could potentially not land me a job. Skirt, 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 skirt. I met my often mentioned on the show friend Brittany Morgan, who happened to sit behind me in our philosophy of law class and saw the Giants, San Francisco Giants team logo on my Twitter feed on my phone and just started talking to me. We realized we were both huge Giants fans. Did we just become best friends? Yep. We, I'd say the last year or so, become very close friends because we're trying to do the same thing. She's in TV. She, I'm trying to get on TV or in broadcasting in general. So, and also, you know... She's I, in the TV? She, yes, yeah, she is. <laughs> yes, right. And... She has been a huge inspiration for me to try to get this going, so I appreciate that. And also, uh, Mari, who had asked the musician question earlier, I met at Mason. She's a really smart and good friend, but I didn't have that many great experiences at Mason. Not that it was bad, just I commuted there. I didn't do what you did. I, I kind of just rented my time there, but I learned to like it by the end. I met a lot of good people. Speaking of Brittany from TV, she had asked what our biggest fear was, and she sort of meant career-wise. Now, we'll cut to yesterday when we answered what our non-career biggest fear was in general i guess what's our what's your biggest fear i mean for you isn't it spiders no it's um not spiders ah uh, we shouldn't should we say this on the podcast shit bears not bears it begins with a b ah yes balloons yes our latex friends let me tell you guys a story i go down the first time i'm like down hanging out with david which shows what a great friend i am uh, was the New Year's 2016 into 2017. I'm down in Fredericksburg, and uh, we go over to the da what is the dance house, right? The yeah, but, uh, the a bunch of Bethany's friends uh, on the dance team are having a New Year's party. And uh, by the time we get there, I think even when we first walked in, there are a lot of balloons. Like a lot. Yeah, there were there were probably there were probably two dozen balloons. Now David, being the great friend he is, someone who cares about me, uh, would you know, throughout the night, periodically remind me that there were a lot of balloons, uh, would... Just, just, just to make sure you were aware of them. Sure, because otherwise I could have missed them. He wanted to know that, hey, I know you don't like balloons. And it, so my thing with balloons, too, is the actual popping doesn't bother me. The fear of it popping and not expecting it is what bothers me, which probably speaks to a psychological issue, but yeah, beyond that. Uh, I will say, without saying names, the person I was talking to that night also had a similar like discomfort with balloons and that made me very happy because it was like a Tobias Funke never nude syndrome. There are dozens of us. Dozens! I, uh, for me, hospitals. I... Really? Terrified of hospitals. I, I, like, I can, like, I acknowledge that they are there. It's like, I, I will be in them if I have to, but like, nah. I am, I am on edge and nervous the entire time that I am in a hospital. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Well, you did. Ha yeah, that's true. Uh, you had a you had a big scare early in your life. So. I, had a, I had a major, I had a majorly, I had a, a life changing traumatic moment very early on in my cognitive formation that has uh, affected me for the rest of my life. That's true. You know, I I think 
I think people don't give enough credit to the people who are brave enough to come out and say they're afraid of balloons, David. You know, I, I wouldn't disagree with you. I, I appreciate that. As far as career biggest fear, I think just for me, sometimes doubting my own abilities or doubting if I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm good looking enough to be on TV, as stupid as that sounds, you worry about every little detail. I do things like I'm prone on this podcast to talking too fast. If that's going to hurt me on TV, you know, all that little shit that shouldn't be an issue, but it, you begin to worry about the little things because you just want to make sure that you have a good career field. I think we've talked on the show, though, that you have a pretty good idea of what you want to do. It's just about sort of putting the right pieces in, right? Yes, I, I do. Um, I mean, my biggest fears are honestly being unable to support myself. Uh, I don't I don't have I'd say I don't have big aspirations or big goals for myself. But like I'm not somebody who's like, oh, I need to be a millionaire to be happy. I need mm -hmm. to have this. I need to have that. Like. I'm pretty content, and, and you know, I, I honestly not even content. I'm happy. I'm happy with what I've got. You know, I've got a car. I've got, you know, the camera, and I've got the stuff that, that that allows me uh, to entertain myself outside of work. I have things that I can do that are mentally stimulating and challenging to me. So, like for me, it's an issue of just being able to support my hobbies and interests, doing something that I enjoy. And that's actually the best way to go. I should clarify that. Fame to me is not important. Um, I would like to have a comfortable living with whatever I do and do something I love, which I guess what I'm aiming to do would come with a degree of fame, but I'm not a fame whore. Uh, yeah, no, I have zero interest in being being famous at all. I'm someone who likes kind of being able to walk around anonymously, and if you didn't have that with fame... I mean, there's probably a level of fame, like being on TV for sports would be, where you get recognized occasionally and it's all positive. It's not like the overwhelming Rihanna level of fame where she can't walk outside without a thousand people mobbing her. I don't want that. No one should want that. She also asks, what's the one sports game you would have loved to go to? And this is sort of talking about, you know, just any sport that comes to mind, but in the past. The, the Stanley Cup clinching game for the Washington Capitals. Yeah, it would have been in Vegas, which, I mean, you know, would have been a damn good time to afterwards, but, like, that's the first time that a team that I have actively taken a, a rooting interest in has won a title. Um, incredible moment to have been there. And for me, I know that um, I would have loved, as a Giants fan in the 2014 NLCS, Travis Shikawa hit a walk-off homer in Game 5 of that series to clinch it they were already up 3-1 in the series so I would have felt less nervous than you often are in those situations and that would have been really fun for me to be in that crazy of an environment as a Laker fan um, I've told the story before but the game 7 of the 2010 finals took place the day I graduated high school but I would have loved to have been able to be at that game it was a lot of nervous energy but it was really satisfying to see them beat Boston the way they did and you know, it was sort of the last, until, honestly, until they signed LeBron, it was the last hurrah for the Laker franchise. So I would have really enjoyed that. Tony D wants to know, what did you know and when did you know it? First off, sir, how dare you? Nat from Arlington. Are there any subjects you feel you can't joke about? Um, to make a, what, what would be a long answer short, no. I don't think there's anything that is entirely beyond reproach i just think that when you if you're go you know in terms of comedy really sensitive subjects 
the messenger, the message, and the the delivery are all very, very, very important. That's exactly where I'm with you. I don't think there is anything I can say as a broad blanket. You can't joke about it. I've heard funny jokes about really terrible subjects, but like you said, you have to be, first of all, beyond anything else, you have to be really funny and clever if you're going to make an offensive joke. It, it has mm-hmm. to, there has to be some genuine intelligence mm-hmm. behind it. And you have to know your audience, especially like you said, uh, the messenger is important. That's probably, that might be the most important thing is that you have to know who you are and you have to know about your past before you make any comments one way or the other. So yeah, as a blanket statement, we're on the same page, I'd say. No, but you have to be very, very, very careful. Uh, and you have to, and you know what? If you get in a situation where you find yourself in hot water because you didn't gauge your audience properly, that's on you. You know, that's, yeah, that's your, it's your own goddamn fault. That's not the audience being too, quote unquote too sensitive, as people like Jerry Seinfeld have said. Although, I mean, Seinfeld, to be fair, very rich. Um, <laughs> yeah, fucking loaded. <laughs> Okay, so here's how the Q&A process works. I had asked a lot of my friends for questions. Uh, Many of them, most of them responded. I appreciate all that. One of those, despite my trepidation, was one PJ Anderson, who I had texted on Tuesday to say if he had any questions. And he said, he responded back a few hours later, yes. He didn't provide an answer, he just said yes. The next day, uh, PJ called me, and I told David about the call. I was sort of confused as to the message of the call. Yeah, I'm, I'm still very confused by it. So he, PJ had told me, it was sort of a kind of an old setup to a joke, and he said, uh, what has a small dick and hangs low? And the answer was a bat. And then he said, what has a big dick and hangs up? And I said, I don't know, PJ. And then our phone line got disconnected? Yeah, that's, that's a really confusing situation. Um, PJ, you might want to contact your cell provider yeah. and uh you know or consider changing them um if you're if you're if you're you know losing the call in the middle of conversations that's really it's not it's not a good thing you should get you know get what you pay for i agree with david uh, i would say that beyond anything else you have to sound professional and, and if you're going to be dropping out of phone calls if your phone line's just going to drop then you're not going to help the show you're not going to help how you appear to us fucking coward uh is from falls church <laughs> Best and worst memory from your past job? So past job would be the pizza place that I worked at. Yeah. Um, best memory would be some of the days when we would get, you know, regulars who count who would come in and would sit down and you know chop it up with us and sort of heckle people who were in the in the restaurant acting like dickheads. And then the worst memories were um, the late nights. Well, actually. The best best memory is also a worst memory. Yeah. <laughs> ironically, uh, there was a guy who came to the door. The shop closed it. You know, we, we'd say we closed it too, but you know, we would let people stay until two fifteen, two twenty, uh, based on how busy we were. Um, and this guy comes up at like two forty five, and like pounds on the door. It's like I just want a pizza. I just want a pizza. And we're like, sorry, bro. Like we're we're closed. Like. All the pies have been put away. Like we're not getting this out just for you to get a slice. And he just starts crying. That guy, that guy just had a rough. Was day, was so drunk when he got up and like tried to walk and tried to walk away from the from the the building. He stumbled no less than three times in a ten foot span. 
That uh, that is a guy by all indicators then that just had a long day and the pizza thing was just the cherry on top. Uh, you guys did the right thing, but that was someone who thought he could negotiate. As a lot of drunk people do, thought he could kind of negotiate his way into a scenario. We do not negotiate with terrorists. That's... <laughs> I would say from the gym job, uh, the best memory in. There's two. One, the actual memory of, as we discussed last episode, of finding the uh, the shower shitter was very rewarding for all of us. Especially my operations manager, Andy, who was the one who usually cleaned up said shit. And it was such a pain in the ass to him. I felt very happy that I could help him find him. Along with Andy, just a lot of the people I met there, including the asker of this question, and, you know, Kevin, the assistant sales manager, and Blake, the sales manager, and, and Alex, and uh, Jillian, who ended up being one of, a really close friend. Uh, she moved, but she was really fun to be around, and Lauren. So all these memories that I have are largely positive. I would say negative memory was kind of going along with the idea that you'll always in the service industry deal with dicks we had a guy who would just without getting into specifics always try to come in and he would just like he often got on us as a gym for selling uh powder protein because it was harmful to animals or something and he has these conspiracy views that a he would he would say literally and i'm quoting eggs are worse than cigarettes what that's insane that is insane and by the way i want to say this the guy in question, and I'm not judging him for this, I'm judging for what he's saying while he's... The, the, the guy in question was pretty overweight, so I was just thinking, why am I listening to this guy tell us how we need to be healthy and all this? And yes, I'm not a doctor, David, last time I checked, you're not a doctor. I'm gonna, nope. say, I'm gonna say eggs are probably not worse than cigarettes. I, I, am, I, I would be willing to bet all of the money I have to my name that... A single egg is not worse for you overall than a singular cigarette. Yeah, I think that's that's not even a hot take. That's like a tepid take because that's a that's not even a tepid take. That's a freezing cold take. Yeah, that's that's an ice cube of a take. Yeah, and yeah, I just yeah. uh, so you would get people like that occasionally who just made your life really uncomfortable. But other than that, you you try to remember more of the positive memories. Uh, speaking of Jillian from Arizona. If the two of you were stranded on a desert island, which one of you would turn to cannibalism first? Me. Yeah. Uh, I outweigh you by at least 60, 70 pounds, right? Mm, no. Okay. My math we're might about be wrong. The, We're about the same weight Actually, now. that's true. Yeah. I'm about, I probably outweigh you by about 10 pounds, 15 pounds. And, um, if, if that. Yeah, I'm like 205. So, uh, yeah, I would say that I am also by nature a timid soul, and I would not want to eat my best friend, even if it meant other. the alternative is death. I mean, I'm not, I'm not killing you. Oh, you're just trying to take off little pieces of me, making sure I'm still alive, but just... No, no, I'll just, once you die, I'm smoking you. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty healthy guy, Truly, though. truly Jack Link's jerky. What? What if I outlive you? Well, then this plan comes to naught. Yeah. Um, describe the biggest struggles you face as straight, white, middle, upper-class men. Um, I don't have any role models that I can look up to. I constantly feel like I'm being persecuted because of who I am and how I identify as a person. And, you know, the world just does not do enough to acknowledge the struggles and sacrifices of straight white men throughout history. Preach, brother. I was trying to think of any straight white male role models on TV, and it's like, 
I found, I got Michael Bluth from Arrested Development and Joe Biden and Barry Melrose. That's pretty much it. Yeah, well, also Bucciagrass. Ah, true. Uh, Bucci Man is, uh, and well, Bucci and, and Melrose together are kind of a combined unit, so. They, they are a package deal. Barry Melrose. I, I, whoever makes his suits is a good man, and I want his number. Whoever makes his suits also definitely outfitted most of the NBA in the early 2000s. <laughs> Oh man, that is an interesting. T- if you go back to like the late '90s and early 2000s, just a lot of the oversized suit look was a not a good one. It was the mob. Bu- it was the mob boss look. Yeah, it's true. People were coming off the Biggie Life After Death album, Nas, like all this like mafioso rap, and guys were just wearing suits that were three sizes too large, and uh, that was a fashion trend that mercifully died. So Ellen from DC, speaking of not white straight males, what's your shallow time machine stop? Like you can't go back and save JFK or hear the Gettysburg address. You can only travel back to something totally frivolous. Uh, June 4th, 1994. It has to be to watch the OJ Chase live. It was not just the OJ Chase. It's the culmination of everything. Yes. It's the World Cup. It's the NBA Finals. It's uh, whatever the hell else was happening. Arnold Palmer's like last round in the major. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like Arnold Palmer's like that is the that is the biggest day in sports history. And most of those events, while big, including an NBA Finals Game Five, they're nice appetizers. No, no, no. Those are. This is like going to the tasting menu at the French Laundry. (laughs) You are getting course after course of like memorable, phenomenal bites, and then. The piece de resistance is OJ driving twenty. Is OJ with a gun to, with a gun to a man's head, making him drive twenty five down the four hundred five in LA. I was glad, I'm glad you clarified twenty I'm, cars behind him. I'm glad you clarified Al Cowlings was driving the car. OJ OJ did not drive the car. At least that you know that was one less charge he had to put on his. Uh, yeah, yeah, reckless endangerment was one less <laughs> charge that went on his. They went one less charge. So yes, watching the OJ Chase live. That is the number one thing I wish Twitter was around for. Yeah, the worst would have been 9/11. The best by far is OJ and just watching people lose their fucking minds. <laughs> you know, a hundred million people combined, like a Super Bowl size audience, watched the OJ Chase. I believe it's. I 100. percent I mean, he was he was one of the most visible figures in America at that point, and he was charged with a double homicide. That's a pretty big deal. And I mean, L.A. was L.A. was this was right after L after the L.A. riots. riots. Like this was this was just a perfect storm of shit. Shout out well, to well, and figurative. Shout out to um, if anyone hasn't seen the FX. People vs. O.J. Simpson series and or the 30 for 30 on O.J., which includes his whole life, not just the murder trial. But go watch either of those. They're both terrific television. But also watch the 30 for 30 about June 4th. Yeah. Or, yeah, it was, yeah. And uh, it's much watch TV, much like the O.J. Chase. Howard from Stanford. What would your wrestling, boxing, MMA entrance music be if you could choose? Maybe, I've got two songs that strike me. Um... Hello from Flatbush Zombies or Pax from the Underachievers. And I would say, for me, I always saw you as kind of a Baker Street guy where you... Yeah, you know, there is that. I could see you kind of the entrance, your, like, entrance music is, you get in your... 
get in your Miata and you drive your car down to the ring with a mullet and a denim jacket and you come out and you're just playing the saxophone as you're in this. Not just not just a denim jacket, an acid wash, denim white denim jacket. jacket. And then you're just you're standing on the barricade play it's like Ron Burgundy and Anchorman who's just stepping on the tables playing the jazz flute. I just imagine that as your entrance. I would also say for me, you know, it's interesting because you might want some more hip hop, you might want some more energetic pop. And my idea is that you kind of just see me in the back for a while and you sort of, I don't know how to describe it, but you sort of just like get really hyped for like 20, 30, 40 seconds. And then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden you hear this. This is Mambo number five. And I come down to the ring in a, in a bowler hat and a big pinstripe suit. And I'm playing wide, wide ass lapel pinstripe <laughs> suit. And all of a sudden you hear the wonderful, the late, great Lou Bega playing on the Titan Tron. And you hear me come down to the ring to Mambo number five. That's my dream. Will from Rhode Island. Since 2000, which major sport do you feel has changed rules, culture, style, play, etc. the most and why? Uh, NBA. Yeah. And I would argue that it has been for the better. Yeah, they've changed that style where it's not as reliant on a big man you know, crashing the crashing the lane and then kicking it out. Um, it's more pass and move, pass and move now. But it has made the game infinitely more watchable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NBA has embraced social media. The NBA has embraced the idea of their players having personalities. The NBA has gotten ahead of really all of the social causes that have seemed to plague football but then not the other two leagues and we all know why that is yeah i would just say that the nba has, has, has done the most to evolve uh in a positive light the you know the nfl has certainly evolved but it has evolved at the cost of the half of the half of the game and you would think because instinctively to the question especially with rules you'd go oh well it's got to be football right but then we sort of talked about this before where football looks very similar to how when we started watching football a decade and a half ago, it's not that much different. You know, the, the passing game was still the priority. The running game has been maybe a little, was a little more, there was a period a few years ago where the running game was sort of leveled out a little bit, but now it's back. You know, it's not that much different. Yeah. Basketball as a whole is changing and you're right. The fact that the, like the three, the fact that, you know, of, of the like five best players in the league, Three of them are under six four, or, mm-hmm. or, or like six four exactly. It sort of creates a more a realistic view of basketball, which for years was the land of the giant. I mean, it still is. Like, I mean, the shortest players are still David Six. And, yeah, they're still six. Yeah, they're still six two. And David. Occasion, occasionally, you'll get an Isaiah Thomas. And it's been it's been fun for me because basketball is my favorite sport. Not just because the the way they dribble up and down the court, but also just because of the personalities involved. And so it's been fun for me to watch as a fan, but yeah, I would say it's changed mostly for the positive, especially because it's such a global game now. And as sort of global influence is easier to spread than ever with social media, the NBA Mm -hmm. really was on top of that. Frank from Los Angeles. Can either of you do impressions? We've tried. I mean, we, we, we can't really, we've been working. I can do a clown horn impression. That's about the extent of my, I can't do a, like a Morgan Freeman impression or any of those cool impressions. Um, I can do a pretty good Mickey Mouse. That's true. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Hey there, Jack. How you doing? Oh, oh, I'm doing great. 
Listen here, you miserable son of a bitch. I swear to God, if you keep impersonating me, I'm going to come through this screen, rip out your neck. What's this I'm hearing about not wanting to do the songs? Oh, good, because I thought we had a problem. Oh, that's good, because I thought we had a problem for a minute there, huh? I just love flying all the way out to Colorado to deal with your guys' problems. One of the few times I have enjoyed South Park just going totally apeshit. Ape, just losing their fucking mind. Vengeance will be mine! Vengeance is mine! You are all ants and I am your destroyer! <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and the, as for the clown horn, uh, it's a great talent that's useless, but... There you go. Can't believe it took us to episode 13 for me to pull that out. Um... Yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> That's one of my few talents. Brandon from Arlington. Biggest challenge you faced on your weight loss journey? For me, part of it was just mentally kind of getting, kind of getting mentally healthy to where I knew I was physically healthy, having a better image of myself. Um, I would say it's, once you try to lose weight and you get on a rhythm, it's surprisingly not too hard if you can just kind of keep at it. Once you get to the gym a few days a week, it becomes an easier process and it becomes a routine. Yeah, um, what's a weight loss? <laughs> David Hart, man, myth, legend. One celebrity to go kayaking with, who would you choose? Well, not Bear Grylls. I'm not going to have him try and make me drink my own piss. Yeah, I'd see, that wouldn't make for a fun trip. Um, I think I would want, I would want a, a comedian of some sort. <laughs> Chris Rock uh, Nick would be great to kayak. Nick go. Offerman, maybe? Actually, Nick Offerman seems like not only he would enjoy kayaking, but he would make it even a better trip. He, he would probably make the kayak. Yeah, actually true. Yes, he does. Uh, he does. I don't know the term for it, but he like makes wood. He's, he, he's a woodworker. He's a woodworker. I've been, I've been watching his show that he does with Amy Poehler, uh, making it on, uh, I've been watching it on Hulu, and I've enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it's, you know, it's a very feel-good uh bubblegum sort of competition show which but, is really not who you are at your core yeah i mean i enjoy but i yeah. like i it, those those are like the reality television that i enjoy the reality television where it isn't about just tearing people down yeah i hate i'm not not, not to get too off track but like the the bachelors of the actually i mean i don't know like the, no those those shows are those shows are trash yeah not my now listen while the bachelor's on i'm usually watching monday night raw so i'm not going to sit here and critique uh, the Bachelor for being bad television. <laughs> That'd be the most hypocritical thing I've ever said, but yeah, it's just not my thing. Um, for celebrity to go kayaking with, the obvious choice would be Barry Bonds or Shaq, but I would say uh, because they're both... Yeah, I would not want either one of those in a boat that size. Oh, true. Me. Shaquille O'Neal at this point is 350 easily, and he's he's that'll be a hard one to row. I'd say John Cena because... He just, Another one might be a little hard. That's it's true. He's like two fifty. Um. Well, if I'm going for a lighter person, then uh, I don't know. Ellen Page. She's like a, she's like eighty pounds. She could probably do it. Plus, she was great in Juno. Best movie ever. Uh, uh, I knew I'd get a reaction out of you. Most confusing trend you've seen from the younger generation. Uh. You know. SoundCloud rap as a whole, I, I hate to be the old guy, and I try to always listen to new music, but just SoundCloud it, rap. SoundCloud rap confuses me. I won't yeah. say that, like, I, I won't say that it's, like, I, the thing is, that, like, the the criticisms that we have for SoundCloud rappers, the generation before us had for backpack rap. Yeah. So, and the one before that had for, like, the crunk, and, oh, yeah. and before that, yeah, mafioso, like, like, everything's got, yeah, so I don't want to... Yeah, everybody has their detractors. Um, 
No, the 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 thing that I like am genuinely flummoxed by by um, younger people and like it's it just it's it's for me it's something that I wouldn't have exposure to otherwise. But like, because Bethany's got two siblings who are still in uh, middle or elementary and high school, mm-hmm. like just sort of seeing the amount of stuff that they post on social media specifically like snapchat or instagram stories is kind of amazing to me yeah um and it it it, it speaks to their confidence in themselves What's personally that like you know they they feel good enough about what they're doing and who they are as people that like they're going to share all of this with the world but like i i, I you know i am i am a i'm a, a creature of social media but like damn like yeah you don't see a lot of what I post about what's going on in my personal life. Like my, my personal life for me is, is that it's personal. And that's, fu- it's funny. Cause you mentioned, I, I wouldn't have thought of that, but there is a positive spin where you say that they do have a lot. I hadn't thought of that, but they have a lot of confidence in themselves, which is a good thing. Uh, I mean, cause I always said one of the reasons I would sometimes not post something to social media was going, I don't think anyone will care. So I think that's better to have confidence. It's just more of the, the overabundance of it is something that's not even always terrible. It's just interesting. I think I, I'm someone who grew up as you kind of pick your spots. Like I'll post a Facebook posts. If it's not a link to this podcast, maybe once a month, once every other month, if it's, I think it's funny. Uh, I don't tweet much anymore. You know, I'll post something to my snap story, maybe once a week, Instagram story, like once every two or three weeks. Uh, you know, I, I kind of, Oh, I tweet incessantly. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, hey, you got a brand to build. And it's, but it's okay. Like, I kind of, I get that. It's just not my style. Um, I would also say this is our generation, not our younger generation that started this. But if you're at a concert, please don't post Snapchat videos or Instagram videos. No one wants to watch them. They're all, they sound terrible. They take forever. Pictures, go for it. Like, if you, if you have a couple pictures of the stage looking nice and the lights, the only time I will excuse it if it's like, you know, you're at a show for one of your friend's favorite artists and they're playing a song that they really enjoy. Send them a clip. Let them know that you're thinking about them in that moment. Yeah. That's cool. But like, I don't want to watch uh, a 45 minute snap story or Instagram story from somebody who went to the Jay-Z some concert, concert for a band yeah. that I've never heard of. Also true. Even if I like the artist, like. I think I kind of watched them a little more when people went to the Jay-Z Beyonce concert at FedEx a few weeks ago. But mm-hmm. I'm still in general, because I'm a huge Jay-Z fan, but I'm still in general not really going to want to watch that. I, I don't get the vibe. From, the, the vibe you get from a concert is the energy you feel from the crowd. That doesn't come through on a phone screen. I just... Yeah. Nope. Does not get translated. Anyway, uh, old man yells at, I guess, SoundCloud in this case. Uh, yeah, old man yells at cloud. <laughs> Carly from D.C., what conspiracy theory would you most like to know the answer to? For me, the answer, going back, is who framed O.J. and who was actually responsible for Nicole Brown's murder. So I have a couple of couple of ways I could go with this. I have been following or trying to follow this QAnon conspiracy theory that's going on, and oh my god, it's insane. What's a sort of summary? Like a, That sounds like a 4chan thing, right? It's it's absolutely a 4chan thing, which is the part where like people don't seem like anybody could pretend to be Q. I could go on to I could go on to, to one of the chans right now and just pretend to be Q. Yeah. But basically it's that there is this individual who has 
Q-level security clearance, which I'm not sh- like I, I I don't know I don't know how the how the security clearances are graded, so I have no idea if this is even a real grade. Basically, claiming that Donald Trump is fighting a secret war against uh, a governmental cabal that has been in charge since Woodrow Wilson, hmm. and has been in charge and, and has been responsible for numerous crimes and cover-ups and all sorts of other stuff and claims that like anytime you see something about Trump losing he's actually winning etc etc so it's in it's just it's interesting it's the mental gymnastics are incredible but the conspiracy theory that man the one that I love honestly the one that I that I think is the funniest is the flat earth theory yeah it just it seems I think at this point, most people just are either willfully ignorant or trolling. You can't really believe it. Like, it's such a weird thing. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. uh, The smartest. Kyrie Irving believes it. uh, Because he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. Shaq even has been like, you know, I don't disagree with him. Yeah. And I've driven across this country so many times. And then Shaq had to come out and actually say, by the way, I was just bullshitting. Kyrie does it. That's what I think. Shaq at least came out and said, yeah, I don't actually believe it. And Kyrie was doubling down on it. To me, I'm I just I'm so not a conspiracy theory guy because you usually have to make so many mental, as you said, mental gymnastics and these leaps and kind of conveniently ignoring big pieces of evidence that don't fit your narrative. I just I'm not I'm not going to criticize anyone who does because those sometimes are the people on anonymous who will then hack my personal life. So you guys are doing great work. I just uh, not for me conspiracy theories. Yeah, I mean I I I have always been amused by them. I mean I. You know, I loved the X-Files as a child. I still love the X-Files. And, like, that, the whole premise of that show is that it's cover-ups. Yeah. Um, but that's entertainment, so. Yeah. Exactly. And, I mean, David Duchovny, swoon. Oh, Gillian Anderson, swoon. Would you go with David Duchovny or um, uh, Jeff Goldblum, if you had to? Oh, my God. Jack from Falls Church wants to know, would you go with David Duchovny or would you go with Jeff Goldblum? Oh, God. Coin toss. <laughs> Oh man! Both honestly, me. honestly, coin toss. Is it Gold Bloom or Gold Blum? All I know is, is how dare you speak to me? Thank you. Uh, people always ask me how I pronounce my name: Gold Bloom or Gold Blum. Uh, I always tell them the same thing: How dare you speak to me? Lauren from North Carolina. What are your opinions on tattoos? Well, that's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I can't get any tattoos, but I think you know whatever people want to do to modify their bodies is their own personal choice. Mm-hmm. And I feel pretty much the same way. Um, I kind of feel, I think, the way you feel about manscaping, where it's just, it's not for me. I don't ever see myself getting a tattoo. Uh, it's just not my style. But I think... Oh, I definitely see myself getting a tattoo at, at some point. What would you get? Uh, I've been wanting a Master Lock tattoo for a long time. Um, there's a long story behind it. Well, actually, it's not even a long story, but a story that I'd rather not get into on this but you know that, that would be that would be the first bit of it, and then it would expand from there. I would, if I could, I would get a big heart over my left pec that said DMH04-04-90. Wow, you're missing the second M there, dickhead. Uh, did I? Yes. Hmm. Well, there's only so much room in my pec. That's why. Uh, but yeah, no. I, I don't know. That thing's pretty. That thing's pretty sizable. Oh, thank you. Uh, so that's it for questions. Uh, most of the questions, David. Did you have anything you wanted to ask? No, I, I don't have any other questions. Nothing nothing burning up inside. Well, well, we have one last one. It's from 
a Calvin from Long Beach who also asked us a question on the first Q&A and he says hold up what's my name Snoop Dogg that's episode 13 of Underemployed we got the Q&A out properly recorded uh, we appreciate all y'all for listening David anything to add don't drive drunk if you need a ride home call a cab call Uber call Lyft or call Jack Selby if, if your phone is dead talk to your bartender they will help you for the love of God just don't do it yeah I, I agree with David uh, if you're if you're out there and thinking about doing it don't do that shit alright appreciate all y'all we'll see y'all next time peace you put your hands, then I kill you black clocks, and I step through the fog, and I creep through the small, cause I'm Snoop Doggy, Doggy, Doggy.